Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 15 says, All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldst thou die before thy time? It is good that thou shouldst take hold of this, yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oft times also thy own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. All this have I proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness of madness. And I find it more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands, who pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one to find out the account. Which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. So Ecclesiastes is wisdom literature, and our passage tonight continues on from chapter number 7, uh, instructing us in Proverbs. And so Proverbs help us to walk in the fear of the Lord. And generally, the Proverbs are either law or they're principles uh, telling us how to live according to God's law. And wisdom literature is good, and we can see that in what we read tonight, uh, the Proverbs or good, learning how to live in this life is a good thing. We can see the good in the Proverbs. The problem comes when we stack the Proverbs over and up against how we actually live and compare the two. Um, how we ought to live according to the Proverbs and how we actually live in our life. And so we see wisdom and the law and then we also consider the gospel, and that's the title of our message, Wisdom, Law, and the Gospel. The wisdom guides us in how we must live, how we interpret and apply the law, that still makes it the law and not the gospel. So even though it's wisdom, it's still instructing us how we are to live, and it makes it the law. Um, you either do it or you don't do it. Uh, you either walk in wisdom or you don't walk in wisdom. You walk in wisdom or you walk in foolishness. 
And when you walk in foolishness, you've broken God's law. So the law is good, but we are not good. And we're going to see those two things first, and then we'll see why we're not good. And then lastly, it's good to be wise. That's how I'll break this passage up. So first of all, the law is good. And starting in verse 15 down through verse 18, um, when we look at the law, it's not enough just to know the letter of the law, but to understand and rightly apply the spirit of the law. The law is spiritual, and that doesn't make it easier to obey, but it's quite the opposite. Sometimes people will say, well, the law is spiritual, thinking that makes it easier to obey. Well, in fact, it shows how sinful we really are in that we don't even obey the spirit of the law. Um, Solomon here um, said that he has seen a just person perish in his righteousness and a wicked man uh, prolongeth his life in his wickedness. He said, so he's seen people who are righteous who die young and wicked people die old. That there's no cheat code for a long life. The day of our death is in the Lord's hand as is the day of our birth. Sometimes the righteous die young and the wicked live a long life. But also he says sometimes the fool dies because he's a fool and sometimes the righteous die because they're not walking in wisdom. I think that's what he's getting at in verse number 16. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should, shouldest thou die before thy time? And uh, Solomon has seen people die by being overscrupulous and wicked men dying in their wickedness. So the preacher isn't telling us not to obey God. He's not telling us it's okay to sin. He's not telling us to be pragmatic and choose some third way that sits the fence when trouble comes that we can avoid uh, problems in our life. But he's asking us, why would you purposely destroy yourself is the question that he was asking. And so what's Solomon getting at? Well, um, there are people who are overzealous in their righteousness, because that's what he says. It's not in the things of righteousness, but um, their own righteousness. And I think this is talking about being overzealous in their own scruples, in their own understanding of things. Um, these kind of people are wise as doves and harmless as serpents. You know, they get it backwards. Um, and they do more harm in their own righteousness than in their good. And I think that's what Solomon is saying, that um, you don't want to be more righteous than, than the law of God. And I know you can't be, but, but some people, uh, that's the problem with the Pharisees. They wanted to be more righteous than God was. They wanted to, to add to the law and be uh, over and above what God had already said, but they didn't even obey the law as God put it. And I think this is the warning here that Solomon is making. They're, they're overzealous in their scruples, and they miss the truth of, of the, um, the spirit of the law to begin with. 
Years ago, a friend asked me what I thought of the Roman Catholic Church. I said, well, I think it's the whore of Babylon. And he looked at me kind of funny. He said, oh, my, fi- my fiancé is a Catholic. And uh, he turned around and walked away and never wanted to talk to me about it again. Well, was I wrong? Well, I don't, I don't think I was, but I missed the opportunity to actually talk to the gospel uh, with the man who didn't know the gospel. And to, to win a point and to have a smart remark, um, I ended up missing the opportunity um, to actually talk to the gospel, talk the gospel with him, because he didn't understand what I was saying, and I knew he wouldn't understand what I was saying um, whenever I said that, but um, in my uh, overzealousness, I did more harm than good, I think. You can be righteous also in your own eyes and suffer because you're living up to your own standard of righteousness. So, um, I think that's a what Jesus pointed out many times um, in, in the Gospels, that people were overzealous in their own understanding of righteousness. So in Luke 16, um, in verse 14, it says, And the Pharisees, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So they were overly righteous in their own eyes. And I think that's what uh, this wisdom is telling us not to do. To understand the law, to understand the spirit of the law, to understand the truth. We can't water down the truth to save our skin, but we can also be wise and loving in our dealing with the truth. It's never wise to sin. It's never okay to sin. Verse 18 of our text tells us that it's good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Also from this withdraw not thy hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth of all them. So it's not, Solomon's not saying it's okay to sin and not to be uh, too worried about what the, what the law says. He said, take hold of this. Take hold of this truth. Fear God. That's the way that you, you understand this. Well, how do, how do you navigate between living foolishly in sin and not living uh, a self-righteous or overly scrupulous life and bringing harm upon yourself? He says, well, fear God and follow his ways. Trust God, rely upon him, and follow his ways. Do the right thing. Walk in wisdom. Fear the Lord. We don't sin, but we also live as uh, harmless as doves, wise as serpents. I love the story of the young lady who was heading to the Baptist assembly to take communion. And it was a dangerous time because in that day and time in that town, it was unlawful to be a Baptist. And she was going to a secret meeting to which they weren't allowed to be having in order to take the Lord's Supper, which they weren't allowed to be having, from the hand of a Baptist minister who wasn't allowed to give it to them in that place. And the authority stopped her and asked her where she was going. And she said, well, I'm on my way to meet some friends. My elder brother died, and we're having a supper in his honor. Well, she didn't lie. That was the truth. Her elder brother 
her Lord Jesus had died. And they were having a supper in his honor. But uh, she did not, uh, she also didn't die and also didn't bring the judgment upon her. She was, um, she was going to worship her Lord. And so she, I believe, did, did right and walked wisely. Wisdom, in verse 19, strengthened the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. So to have two, true strength, you have to walk in wisdom. If you have wisdom, you'll be stronger than the offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, more than ten mighty men which are in the city. Uh, a wise man has more strength than that. How many times have you seen athletes get in trouble with the law or commit some wicked um, act that ruins their playing career? They do something dumb. They get involved in drugs. They, they commit a crime. They have some uh, immoral affair that brings their career to an end. Well, they're strong as an ox physically, but weak as water spiritually. Solomon says wisdom is where the strength is, stronger than the mightiest man in the city. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and, the real, and a religious person can know a text and be strict with it, or be overly scrupulous with it, and not even get the spirit of it right. But God's people who know God, who know the text, who know the spirit, and walk in the spirit, according to the spirit of the text, walk in wisdom. And so Solomon is telling us to know what the scripture says, to know what God desires from us, apply the, the law, or apply the scriptures appropriately, and fear the Lord. That, that is the, the safe way. That is the, the right way to go. Not to redefine the law to, to suit ourselves, not to redefine the law to, um, to condemn others. But to know the law, to know what God wants from us, to apply it correctly, is to walk wisely and to walk in the Spirit. So the law is good. It's a good thing. It makes you strong. It, it makes you understand what God wants from you. Uh, it, 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 the law guides you. In walking in the fear of the Lord. And he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. But verse number 20 is the problem. The law is good, but we are not good. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Not one. The law is good, and if you can keep the law... You won't die the death of the fool or die the death of the, the religious or the, the overscrupulous. He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Wisdom gives you strength stronger than ten mighty men. That all sounds great. But the problem is, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There isn't one person in all the earth that can stand before God and stand before God's justice and plead not guilty. What we tend to do, rather, naturally, is to condemn other people and justify ourselves. We adjust the law 
to our own whims in order to avoid condemnation. We see what God says and and see that it condemns us and we modify it a little bit, we tweak it a little bit in order to, to mold it to where it doesn't quite condemn us. Or we take it and and see the parts that we think that we obey, the strict letter of it, and then ignore the spiritual applications or the spiritual side of the law in order to justify ourselves. But in the end, if you do that, what does it really matter if you justify yourself? What does it matter if you believe that you're righteous when the judge has already said you're guilty? My guess is if you went to the prison and you surveyed the population, a good majority would say they were wrongfully convicted. I would say there'd be a, a, the minority who said, yeah, I'm guilty and I deserve to be here. But what does that do for him? What does that help a guilty man who's tried and convicted, they handcuff him, and they haul him off to jail for him to shout the whole way, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I've done no wrong. That doesn't do him a bit of good, does it? If the judge and the jury have found him guilty according to the law, and this guilty man is punished according to the law, doesn't do him any good to say, well, I didn't really do anything, or to say, I don't like that law. I don't think it's, that's the way it ought to be written. Does it, that man no good. Well, in God's court, there are no mistakes. In God's court, there's no wrong convictions. And the, the sentence has already been passed. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The judge has already made his declaration about your life There's not a man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And an honest person has to admit that. An honest person has to admit that they are not perfect. The zealous, the zealous application of law without mercy and judgment forgets that we're all sinners. So at the beginning, we might have someone who is uh, over-righteous or self-righteous even and condemns other people for their sins. They forget that we're all guilty before God. And wisdom will deal justly and mercifully. Wisdom doesn't deal wickedly. Wisdom remembers we're all sinners. And so for ourselves, we have to remember that we are not good. When we look to others, we have to remember we are not good. And if you don't think that you're a sinner, consider verse 21. Also take no heed to all the words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thy own heart knoweth that thou likewise, or thou thyself likewise, hast cursed others. So just think about this passage for a minute. You say, well, I'm not a sinner. Here we got a situation that the preacher says, 
Don't go around eavesdropping. Don't spy on people because you might not like what you hear. You can't say, well, how dare these people curse me behind my back whenever you're sneaking up trying to listen to what they're saying. And then he says, well, it's probably a good thing that not everybody has ever eavesdropped on you. Oftentimes it'll serve you better not to know what people are saying. And if we do find out, remember that we're not so spotless ourselves. And there's not a just man upon the earth. So you go around and eavesdrop and, and listen to what people are saying and spying on what people are saying. And then you're going to end up hearing something that wasn't meant for you and that you wish you hadn't heard. And then he said, whenever you do that, you need to stop and think, well, what if somebody has done that for you? Because you've also talked about people behind their backs. Who is there that's never talked about somebody behind their back? Who's never made comments uh, tearing somebody down? That you'd be mortified if they ever found out. I know somebody that uh, secretly recorded on some phone conversations um, and then listened to them and then got upset that they heard something they didn't want to hear. I said, well, that's your fault for, for sneaking in and trying to hear things that you weren't supposed to hear. But Solomon lays this out first for wisdom. That's a good thing. It's good wisdom not to eavesdrop on people. But also to make us stop and consider there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth right. Because who hasn't let their mouth run away with them and said more than they ought to? And, and got mad at somebody and, and let secrets out or, or cursed somebody behind their back. See, the law is good. That's good wisdom not to do that. But then when we look in the mirror, we say, oh yeah, well, I've done it. So verse 20 is good wisdom on how to live. Verse 21 says, or verse 22 rather, verse 21 is good wisdom on how to live. Verse 22 says that thou likewise hast cursed others. The law is good, but we're not. When you get down to verse 23 then, you have wisdom tried and tested. All this I have proved by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is far off exceedingly deep, and who can find it out? Here's the evidence that the preacher proved and tested by wisdom. He wants to be wise. His desire to have wisdom, but it was far from him. This wisdom was, was far, too far away and too deep to the point that nobody could find it. And through natural reason, it can't be found out. So here we got the wisest man who's ever lived, um, apart from Christ, applying his heart to know and to seek, and to search out wisdom. He wanted to know, and he wanted to know why. He wanted to get down to the bottom of things, to be able to understand wickedness, and folly, and, and madness, and, and not only to know things, but know why things happen. What he found out was more bitter than death. Here's the wisest man who said that it was just too deep and too far off. Wisdom is good because it's God's ways. 
and because it, te- it tests us, and it's bitter because we're all sinners, and it convicts us and condemns us. Then he goes on to talk about a sort of woman who will lay a trap for a man. In verse 26, whose heart is snares and nets. Her hands are as bands. Who pleaseth, whoso pleaseth God shall escape her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Her hands are like handcuffs. Men want freedom from the sexual purity that God demands of us, that God tells us that sexual relations are between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, and it's not anything outside of those boundaries is wrong. God tells us that and tells us there's consequences for uh, any kind of sexual activity outside the bonds of, of holy marriage. But the man wants freedom. I want freedom from these, these laws that chain me down. And so he runs away from the law to be free and winds up in the trap of sin. He breaks free the, the, the bands of the law, so he thinks, and runs and gets tied up and handcuffed um, in, the, in the ways of sin. And Solomon says that there's a certain type of woman who will, who will lay a snare and lay a trap for a man. And there's a certain type of man that will run right into that trap. And he says to beware. In this feminist age we live in, you're not allowed to talk about women's sins without also mentioning, yeah, but men also. But this passage wardens and uh, spotlights um, a certain kind of woman and tells men to be aware of a certain kind of woman. He also tells women not to be that sort of woman. To, to be on guard. Because um, just a little bit of flattery can, can draw a man away. And, and he says it's, it's the way to, to death, the way to destruction. In Proverbs 22, verse 14, uh, listen to what Solomon says here. The mouth of the strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. There's a certain kind of woman that the Bible says is like a deep pit. And those who are outside of the Lord are going to walk right into it. Chapter 23 and verse 27. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressions um, among men. That's why Solomon said in verse 16, My son, give me thy heart, and let thy eyes observe my ways. And he warns. He warns his sons. He said, you need to, to be aware. You need to watch out. There is danger here. He said, well, how can there be danger? And, and what is so 
naturally good. Well, Solomon gives you some, some glasses to see the reality of the situation. Step back for a second and see what's happening here. A deep ditch, a narrow pit. You're not, you're not the predator, you're the prey. And it increases transgressions among men. Well, how do you escape? Well, the only way to escape is by pleasing God, it says in our text, in verse 26, whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her. The only way to escape is to walk in the light, to please God, to walk with Christ. Because you'll be more concerned about what God thinks than what you feel. Otherwise, you're a dead man walking. Joseph is the good example. Don't put yourself in the position to start with, and if you find yourself there, run for your life. Run for your life. Um, flee from fornication. Mike Pence had a lot of wisdom in this by not going out or being alone with a woman who wasn't his wife, and he got a lot of grief for it. But he was in a powerful position with a lot of enemies, with a lot of people who would like nothing more to see him fall. And so he made a rule that if he had to meet with a woman that he wouldn't be alone. He wouldn't go to her apartment. He wouldn't go to her hotel room. He wouldn't be in a, alone in his office with her. And that made a lot of people mad. They said, well, you're not being trusting and you're, you're making women to be predators. But the other thing that they didn't recognize is that sometimes that is the case. Are all women bad? Are all women not to be trusted? Of course not. And he doesn't believe that. But he also believes what the scriptures say and that there are some who are. And so he walked in wisdom. And he, just, and he walked out of respect for his Lord and in respect for his wife. He said, I'm, I'm going to, to walk in wisdom and avoid, and avoid the folly of, of falling into to temptation. Why? Because all are sinners. He's a sinner, and, and I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner. We're all sinners. And so he's, he's walking in wisdom. Well, Solomon, in his own internal polling of, of the city of Jerusalem, found that one out of every thousand men that he knew was wise. And then he said, out of a thousand women, none of them were wise. And so um, all the commentators get hung up on, well, what's that mean, one man and zero women? But if, I mean, if you think about it, that's one person out of 2,000 people that he found was wise. The, the point was that he only knew one wise man and he didn't know any wise women. Say, well, how could Solomon say such a thing? Well, Solomon knew by example. Look in 1 Kings chapter number 11. Because Solomon, remember, he said that um, he was trying this out. All this I have proved by wisdom. He said that this is his um, experience. Now, he's not saying one out of every thousand men are wise. But he's saying his experience and the people he knew, that was the case. 1 Kings chapter number 11 and verse number uh, 1. But Solomon loved many strange women. 
together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites and Zidonians and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come unto you, for surely they will turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. How many is that? 700 plus 300. Well, there's 1,000. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build high places for Kamosh, the abominations of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, and the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Think Solomon knew what he was talking about? When he tells us in wisdom to watch out for the strange woman, to be on guard. For people who don't walk after the Lord. Now, the strange woman is the foreigner. And it wasn't that he was just uh, opposed to foreign women. It was that the children of Israel um, were under a covenant with God. And Jehovah was his God. And these strange women, these foreign women, did not have Jehovah for their God. But they had all these other gods. They said, boy, she's pretty. Well, sure, she's, she worships Kamosh, but she, she's a baby doll. And then he go after her, and then he went and found another lady that uh, she was beautiful too, but um, she didn't know Jehovah. But Solomon was wise. Solomon was strong. He'd be all right. And there, those 700 wives and 300 concubines were snares to his heart, and their hands were as bands. And the text of Scripture tells us they drew his heart away from the Lord. So now Solomon, as an old man, I believe, as he writes this, the preacher, found this out and gives us wisdom. Wisdom tried and tested. Wisdom is good, but we're not. <clears throat> Solomon had good wisdom, but he didn't follow it. Because there is none that doeth good and sinneth not. The only way to escape is to walk in the ways of God. Well, why is it that we're not good? In verse 29, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made a man upright, but they have sought out many of inventions. Why are things like this? Why is the world so crooked? How is it that the wisest man who could write most of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon turn around and marry 700 pagans that turned his heart from God. How can one who started out 
so strong, end up so weak. Well, there is no strength in ourselves. We were talking yesterday that all through the scriptures, people would see, uh, you know, have hope that someone would bring about um, some greatness in the children of Israel. And Solomon is an example of that. God told David he couldn't build the temple because he was a bloody man, but his son would. And he made that covenant that his son would sit upon the throne forever. And Solomon's born. He has wisdom like none other. Uh, Wealth and prosperity and beginning to build the temple. And they said, well, here's the one uh, that may bring everlasting peace to Israel. And then he ends his life with all that wisdom and all that knowledge. And it still couldn't fix what was broken on the inside. God made man upright. We've sought out many inventions. Why is it that the preacher in Jerusalem, the seat of the theocracy of God, in the city where the oracles of God resided, in the city and the temple where the priests did their God-ordained work, that Solomon could only find one wise person out of 2,000 people? How is it that the king of Israel in the city of God, in the city of David, could only find one wise person among all of his counselors and all of his people and all of his, his friends and companions? They had the word of God. And if the people who had the word of God weren't any better, practically speaking, with the people without it. Why is that? Well, God made a man upright. We're all sinners. God made Adam without sin, but but he rebelled against God. He went to war against God's righteousness, and we've all sinned and we're all guilty. All guilty in Adam. It is our fault um, for Adam rebelled, and we're born sinners and follow suit. Well, who is as the wise man? Who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. <coughs> wisdom is more than knowing things. It changes a person. Walking in wisdom uh, changes a man for the better. It makes his face to shine. It turns boldness and sternness of his face to a gentle and meek spirit. Matthew Henry commenting on this says, the sourness and severity of a man's countenance can be changed into that sweet, obliging uh, nature. Even those whose natural temper is rough by wisdom are strangely altered, become mild and gentle. This wisdom emboldens a man against his adversaries. The boldness of his face shall be doubled by wisdom. It will add much to his courage and Maintaining his integrity. He shall not be ashamed, but shall speak to his enemy. Wisdom is good. It's good for yourself. It's good for your neighbors. It's good for the truth. It's good good for all who are around you. The law is good. The Proverbs are good. But who is as the wise man? 
And who knoweth an interpretation of the thing? I'd like to be as strong as the strongest in, uh, ten men in the city. But you hold the mirror of the law up and you say, most of the times, you know, I fail. I, I don't do the right thing. Proverbs are generally law. They tell you, if not how to live, the principles by which to live. And you either live by them or you don't. You either fail or you succeed. The law is good, but knowing the law is not good enough. The Proverbs are good, but knowing these Proverbs aren't good enough. Israel did that. And not having the law is not any better because the Gentiles didn't have the law. And you see what happened with, the, with us. Keeping the law is good, but we, we don't. We haven't. And we can't. God made man upright, but Adam went to war in rebellion against God, and we're all guilty in him. Without salvation in Christ, wisdom can do nothing but condemn us. Even the wisest preacher, Solomon himself, failed to live up to his own teaching. He failed to live up to his own proverbs. <clears throat> Consider, Solomon wrote all those proverbs, Everybody knew the Proverbs, and then he lived a life that didn't go along with it. But if you put your faith and trust in Christ, who is the wisdom of God, who is as the wise man, well, it wasn't Solomon. Solomon said it was too far off and too deep. Even though he knew it, he couldn't live by it. But who is, the, who is as the wise man? Well, there was a wise man, Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God who lives in perfect wisdom, who lives in perfect accordance to the law of God, who lived a righteous life, a perfect life. He is the wise man. He is the wisdom of God. We can read these Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and say, I, I failed, and who is sufficient for these things? Well, Jesus Christ succeeded. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, wisdom then becomes your friend. That's the difference. The law outside of Christ condemns you. The law, when you're in Christ, becomes your friend in the sense that it guides you. It becomes your counselor. Not to save you because you're saved in Christ, but it can no longer condemn you, so it, it guides you in the right way. It no longer accuses you unto damnation, but it corrects you in righteousness. It no longer judges you um, in the sense that you're going to go to hell, but it strengthens you that you may walk in the light of Christ. Does that mean that we're free from, from walking according to the law of Christ? Absolutely not. But it no longer condemns us. It guides us. It counsels us. It corrects us. God uses it in, to sanctify us. But it, it is no longer there to condemn us to hell. What we need is one to live in wisdom for us and then to guide us in that wisdom. And that person is Jesus Christ. Christ, the wisdom of God, lived for us that we may have his righteousness. He is the wise man. He is your hope this evening. <clears throat> Ephesians 3.9, then I'll close. 
And to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Law condemns us, wisdom guides us, but the gospel saves us. Look to Christ.